you are not far from the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but those are words that I long to hear. (laughs) Those are the meaning of life, is to strive to live this life so that we can end up with the Lord in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. But we have to make it through this life to make it there, right? And so the Lord gives us everything that we need to be able to get to heaven. He gave us in the garden perfection, gave us life, gave us everything that we needed, but we thought, well, we need a little more, right? You can have everything except for the fruit of the tree of this one tree in the garden. But, I mean, can it just have a little taste? How many times do we fall into that same trap when he gives us blessings in our lives? We're like, yeah, but I mean, can I just have a little bit more? Well, when he tells us these two great commands in today's gospel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, we tend to push those as well. It's like, well, do I really have to love my neighbor? I mean, what if they... Did Jesus stutter? Love God, love neighbor. Yeah, but Lord, what if love God, love neighbor? But what if they aren't being loving to me? Turn the other cheek and love them. How do we embrace the love of God? In our lives, it's supposed to be love God, love neighbor, then love self. The struggle, though, is many times we mess up that order, don't we? Many times we end up with love self, and then somewhere in there is God, and somewhere in there they have to be as our neighbor. We live under almost a philosophical ideal that when you die, it's a tragedy in my life, but when I die, it's over. Therefore, my life is the most important life in existence to me. And we treat our lives that way so many times. And that's why we sometimes struggle to see St. Paul's witness to the love of God. That's why we struggle sometimes to see in the litany of humility that we are called to allow the Lord and allow others to prefer everyone to me. Well, no, the world tells us the exact opposite, doesn't it? Prefer me to everyone else. If only one person gets it, it better be me. But we're taught the exact opposite as little kids, aren't we? Starts around Halloween, around Valentine's Day. If you bring a snack to class, what's the rule? You bring enough so that everybody can have it, right? But we unlearn that. we unlearn that we are all called to lift each other up. They're all called to share what God has given to us. If you think about it in your life, has anybody in this church today ever been given less than they need? Have you ever been given less than you need in your life? I didn't say less than you wanted, less than you desired, but less than you needed. I've yet to fall, find someone in my life that is actually needed more. Because what the Lord gives us based on our circumstances is what we need to be able to see who he is and to embrace his love. The struggle becomes when another person comes into the picture and they have more or they have different 
We begin to look and say, ooh, pretty, shiny, I want that. The Lord says, no, that's good. But what I gave you is perfect for you. Yeah, but I don't really like what you gave me. It's like with kids, when you have these infants that have a toy, and they're perfectly satisfied with the toy they have, until another kid walks in with a different toy, mine. Right? We turn into the seagulls from Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. And we forget the Lord has blessed us. We're so focused on the grass that's green on the other side that we don't look down to see the grass that's green around us. We don't fertilize. We don't allow the seeds that have been planted around us to really grow. And so we struggle to embrace the love of God. So if we struggle to embrace the love of God, we struggle then to love God. God, if you really loved me, fill in the blank. If you really loved me, you'd give me everything I wanted, when I wanted, where I wanted, how I wanted. When did Jesus become, instead of this sacrificial gift for us, this all-encompassing genie that we look for? Genie Christ, genie Christ, if I, if I have enough Hail Marys and Our Fathers, give me what I want. Give me all of my wishes, Right? How many times do we turn to the Lord in prayer in that way? Instead of looking to God and giving him praise and thanksgiving for what we have, how many times do we curse him for what we have not? Lord, why didn't you give me this experience? Why didn't you allow me to go on this? Well, let's look back. We've heard of hindsight being 2020. Like the vision, not, not the year, because 2020, the year just sucked for everybody. I understand that. But hindsight is 2020. Why do we say that? Because when we look back, we can begin to see through clarity. We can see through the eyes of faith. We can see through the eyes of love, because we aren't in the midst of what's going on. If you look back at your life, at the worst moments of your life, where is God? Because I guarantee you he's there. And the harder we look the more we can see his love, no matter how bad the tragedy. For me, I reflect on that, and I reflected on that a lot this last week when we were in um, retreat in Wichita on, Lord, I've had all of these tragedies in my life, what I'd call tragedies, losing my house, failing out of college, losing my dad, all of these different times that are different types of tragedies, but tragic nonetheless. But I can't, honestly tell you that when I look back at those tragedies, I cannot tell you that God wasn't present. Notice I used a double negative. The only thing I can tell you is that God was present there. If I had not failed out of college, this sounds crazy, but if I had not failed out of college, I would not be a priest today. Kind of sounds the opposite. But I was so stuck in my pride so stuck in, I've got everything that I ever wanted. I can do this. I don't need God. Stop going to Mass. We don't need God. Fell flat on my face. And what happened? I went home. And home, for me, was the first place that I was introduced to God. So my dad's rule was, you live under my house, my rules, and get your butt to church. But I don't, want to, I don't care you're living under my house for free. 
your rent and go to church. Touche. God never abandoned me. I abandoned him. In the midst of seminary, when we lost our house to the tornado, there were so many blessings intermixed with that tornado of May 20th of 2013. Yes, there was tragedy and there was loss of life and there was loss of property. But just like at 9-11, there were so many stories of us. I was in the right place at the right time or I wasn't in the right place at the right time. It's so amazing to see God's presence and see his providence in the midst of that. And when we begin to look with the eyes of faith as this scribe does when he interacts with Christ, then we truly are close to the kingdom of God. When we see the scriptures not as something to condemn us, but it's something to give us life, to lift us up, to bring joy to the heart, and not just to be, oh, man, i got to read another thing. Oh, man, Father's given us so many things we have to do. Go to church, pray, do your best. And when you don't, see me in there. And that's what the Lord's giving us. He's giving us everything we need. We need God's love. Without it, we are lost. And we are living in a world, my brothers and sisters, that is yearning to be found and not truly seeing how visible the answer is. As a little kid, you learned that the answer to every question that Father asks is what? Jesus. What is the answer for our lost world? Jesus. Why? Because he loves us. He gave his life for you and for me. When we hear of in our reading from Hebrews today that Christ came once and sacrificed for all, that his sacrifice was not like the burnt offerings of the other high priests because they ended in death, but Christ's sacrifice was once and for all for your sins and for mine, not for his because he didn't sin, but he paid that price for our sins. Why do we keep holding on to that burden? Why do we keep defining ourselves by the worst moments of our lives? By our worst actions, our worst deeds? Because they're a disease. It's a crippling effect. And I've talked about it time and time again, where for me, I struggle with depression. I struggle with that anxiety of, Lord, you've really blessed me. You've given me, given me everything I need. Have you seen me lately, Lord? I'm short, fat, and bald. The trifecta. Come on, man. And in the midst of that, when I look in the mirror, I try and see the love of God staring back at me. Because if I can't see God in myself, it's hard to be Christ to the world. And the less I see staring back of me of Christ, the less I'm loving the Lord my God with all my heart with all my soul, with all my strength, because I'm not loving the gift of life that he has given to me. But how many of us struggle with that on a daily basis? How many of us struggle with seeing in ourselves a gift? And when we struggle to see ourselves as a gift, we struggle to see others as a gift too. But what do we say as Catholics in the faith? That life is precious. That life is precious from conception 
to natural death and everything in between. But our world doesn't believe that. So very visibly in society this last week, about six weeks ago, the stay of executions was lifted in, in the state of Oklahoma. And so we've got, I believe, about 10 men that are on death row that their lives will be taken from them because of an act of whatever they've done. But I was reminded in a movie that I watched this last week that I'd seen a couple of years ago called Just Mercy. Have you ever seen it before? Just Mercy? It's hard to watch. It's about this African-American guy that goes to Harvard, gets his law degree, moves down to, I believe it's Georgia or Alabama, to work specifically with men on death row to help them with their cases. In 35 years of working with men on death row, this is based on a true story, based on a real guy, who after I saw the movie, I emailed him and said, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. He has proved over 140 people that were on death row innocent. 140 people. First of all, the fact that there's 140 people on death row in the last 30 years is, is, is tragic. If one person is killed that is innocent, that is not justice. This last week, we had our first execution in six years in the state of Oklahoma in McAllister. We were praying all week that there may be a stay put to the execution. There's a stay put by the 10th Circuit Court on Wednesday afternoon. We were all excited as priests. We were praying and giving thanks to God. Then we woke up Thursday morning. The stay still stayed until it was lifted at 2 o'clock in the afternoon by the Supreme Court. And the man that thought he would have at least till February was put to death two hours later for something that he may have or may not have done. I'm not here to judge that. Where is the dignity of life? How do we support it? How do we embrace it? If we don't see the love of God in us, it's easy to tear down the dignity in others to label others by their worst actions, murderers, rapists, criminals, bad people. My brothers and sisters, we are all children of God. God loves every one of his creations the same. It's our ability to embrace that or reject that that defines us. God loves you. Despite your worst sins, despite the worst tragedies you've ever gone through in your life, God loves you. I realize I say this all the time, but I say it because the world out there doesn't want us to hear it. The world out there does not believe it. If I die tomorrow or today, My hope is that the message that I will leave behind was he really believed that God loved me. If you hear nothing from me in the whole time that I'm here, whether I'm here for a year or two decades, I hope you understand that God loves you. It is that important for me. But it's even more important for yourself. 
Because I've doubted that in my life. I've doubted that God can love me. As a minister, many times we are kind of an oxymoron in that we long to have affirmation that what I'm doing is a good thing. Nobody doesn't want to be affirmed. Everybody wants to know that they're doing something worthwhile, right? But then I've got this eccentricity about me that anytime someone comes and says, Father, you're doing a good job, the first thing I hear is, you're doing a good job, but you could have done better. I always find the negative because I'm a pessimist at heart. Because I have sinned in my life, that is where I am inclined to respond. Instead of hearing, Father, you're blessed. Thank you for sharing that blessing. I hear, Father, you're blessed. Thank God that you got out of your way. I hear the worst possible case scenario in that. It's hard for me to accept that blessing. And I think I've learned that, unfortunately, from my family. Because I grew up in a family that just was one of the most loving families I could have hoped for. Multiple times growing up, we had friends that got kicked out of their houses or couldn't live at home that came and stayed with us. And my parents didn't bat an eye. Yeah, sure, we can put you, we can put you up. And so when we lost the house, I can remember my dad's largest struggle wasn't the fact that he didn't know where he was going to live. It was the fact that people were doing things for him. There was a car wash done at Bishop McGinnis by some of the parents, and they had raised some astronomical number, like $15,000, $20,000, and said, Mr. Grover, this is for you. He said, I can't accept this. I said, Dad, stop. Stop. Your whole life you've done for others. You have blessed them from your blessings. This is their opportunity to bless you back. But how many times do we allow pride to get in the way of blessing? We allow pride to get in the way of asking for help. My brothers and sisters, as a body of Christ, if you can't ask another member of the body of Christ for help, we are helpless. That's what we're here for, to lift each other up. If you are struggling, you know you are not struggling alone. Or if you believe you're struggling alone, I'm here to tell you you're not. We are in this fight together. If you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling financially, if you're struggling to love yourself or to love your neighbor, talk about it. Ask for help. If I can't help, I'll hopefully be able to lead you in a way that we can. That's what we're here for. That as a body of Christ, we are here to lift each other up. And as members of the body of Christ, when one of us is missing, the body is lacking. You guys are lucky at Mass. Well, I don't know how lucky you guys are, but you guys are lucky at Mass. All you have to see is this. That's what I'm saying. I'm not quite sure how lucky you guys are. But when I look out, I see all of you. That to me is a blessing. I see when so-and-so isn't here because you guys all have your assigned seats. And when you're not sitting in your assigned seats, I'm like, wait a second. You guys are supposed to be over here. You guys are supposed to be, wait a second. And when you come in late and you're like, you're in my spot. Hey, they showed up on time, man. But do 
we actively recognize when members of the faithful are not here? And if we do, do we follow up? I'm bad about that. Because as soon as Mass is over, my mind is wiped. <laughs> but there's some times where it's like, hey, I haven't seen you at Mass for a couple of weeks. Are you okay? Do we check in on our brothers and sisters? When was the last time that you, not me, not us, not y'all, but you visited one of our members in the hospital or in the nursing home that we grew up with looking at as our elders in the church? Remember, that's one of the corporate works of mercy, visiting the sick, being by the side of those who die is a mercy, is a blessing. And on that tangent, because you guys know I go down rabbit holes, on that tangent, if you are sick, if you have a surgery coming up, if you know that you may have a debilitating illness, please let me know earlier rather than later. One of the most heartbreaking things in my life in ministry is showing up to do an anointing after the person has died or after the person has gone to surgery and I can't get in there. If you know you have something going on, tell me about it. Do not, for the love of God, and for the love of God, do not, <laughs> assume that someone's going to tell me. I can't tell you how many times in my six years as a priest I had people come to me at a funeral and say, Father, why weren't you there? I didn't know anything was wrong. Nobody told you? No. Oh. Let me know when your family needs prayers. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but not just me. Let each other know. It's gotten to the point where I, I, I kind of wait by the phone to see, do I need to go anoint someone? Because I know they're sick. They know they're sick. But they don't know that I know that they're sick. And I call them. It's like, do you want me to come anoint you? No, Father, I'm not dying. I'm not asking if you're dying. <laughs> I'm asking if you're sick. Do you have a surgery coming up? I can't tell you the amount of minor outpatient surgeries that have not just been minor outpatient surgeries. In fact, I have a friend this last week that um, was part of my domestic church and wrote in our group me message, hey, um... First of all, I want to let you guys know I had another miscarriage, which that's something we don't talk about enough we need to talk about. I had another miscarriage, and I'm headed to the hospital because I'm hemorrhaging. I've never witnessed that. That's terrifying to me. I mean, if I get a cut or scrape, I'm dying. <laughs> hemorrhaging, that, that, that's just the worst thing I could possibly think of. And so I said, well, know my prayers. Let me know if you need anything. And I texted her immediately and said, where are you? I'm in the city. Do I need to come anoint you? She said, I didn't even think about it. Eh, I'm okay. If you're in the hospital, you're not okay. Let me say that. If you're in the hospital, you're not okay. You're there for a reason. Don't allow pride to keep you from receiving God's grace. Because that's what the sacraments are. It is a free gift given to you by God to give you what you need when you need it. Eh, I don't really need it today. No, we need it every day. We need it every day. I don't know how I got to bed some days without God's grace. In fact, confession time. Thank you, Eric, for giving me a phone call at 1023 today. Because I take a nap between the two masses. Out cold. 
I got up, I was like, I'm coming, I'm coming. So if you saw me look frazzled when I came into Mass, I woke up 45 seconds beforehand. I got over here and realized I didn't have my glasses. I had to run back and realize I can't see anything without these. I was a little frazzled. But he called me when I needed to be called. And Amy was about to do the same thing because Jake and Colton went back and saw all the servers are here, but Father's not here. Uh, is he okay? Because they know I've been going through some shoulder and, and elbow issues. Mom, painkillers, like, uh, please check on me, make sure I'm okay. Because I've known of times where the priest wasn't okay. I've known of times where the priest has been found, passed out, here at this parish in the last three years. So I appreciate you, Eric. I appreciate you, Amy, for wondering about me. Probably more because Mass was starting in five minutes. I understand that. But sometimes we need that immediacy to kind of push us along. But all of this is to say, how do we love God? If we don't accept his love for us, it's hard for us to love him. It's even harder for us to love our neighbor. We all have brothers and sisters. Even if you're a single child, I was talking with someone last night that said, man, I wish I was an only child. I said, never say that. Never say that. Because your siblings are there to keep you in check. And you're there to keep your siblings in check. I may fight like none other with my siblings. They may send me to the hospital more times than I would like to admit. But I'd take a bullet for them in a heartbeat. If it helped their pain, I'd lay down my life. We don't agree on everything. We don't talk politics. We don't talk church politics. But I love them as God loves me. Because in my darkest and deepest moments, they've been there for me. That's my hope as a pastor that I can be here for you. Sometimes I'm there Sometimes I fall asleep and I'm not able to hear a confession before Mass. I'm human. I do the best I can. But I know that God loves me. And I know that God loves you. What I'm doing about it today is letting you know what are you going to do about it today?